0: everyone hello friends out there in in the world (laughs) welcome back to barb knows best the podcast it's a great day to be alive and it's a great day to be chatting with you all wherever you are tuning in for hopefully another chat in our cyber living room about life's important topics as always it is i Michelle Maros with my mom, Barb, and we're here to chat. Hello, Barb. Hi, Michelle. Hi, everyone. (laughs) This is my favorite day of the week. I do feel like the most wonderful time of the week. Yes, I do feel like, I mean, our whole, you know,
1: we've talked about this before, but our whole intention was to feel like we're sitting in the living room with everyone. So I feel like you're all here in the living room with us. So, yes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening from, or whenever, wherever, wherever, and whenever you're listening. Like to Shakira, this.
0: wherever, whenever. We're oh. meant to be together. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> so we got a. We have a good topic for you guys today. So. Um, yeah. I like today's topic. I. Um, today we're going to talk about what to remember when you don't get what you want.
1: I love it. And I think it that opens up a myriad of ideas of rejection and feeling like you, you aren't worthy and all the things. I'm really excited to talk about this topic because I think it can open up the doors to so many ways that we think about things when we don't get what we want and how it becomes a hindrance. So. How our thoughts, excuse me, how our thoughts and how we're thinking about rejection, so to speak, or whatever we're, however we're categorizing what, you know, how we feel about what we don't get what we want. It's really, I think, important to, as you always say, Michelle, let's really delve into all the layers of what this all means and how we're really becoming a block to our own success and happiness.
0: Exactly. So. <laughs> so let's get I mean, started. She just I really just, laid it all right out. I, there I for jump you. right in. I she love does. to
1: just jump right in. You know me. I you know just so for all of you listening, what happens in the mornings most of the time is I will go take Michelle a, a coffee. Usually, almost every single morning, and I would say nine out of ten mornings, I always walk in the door and I just start talking. Michelle, oh my gosh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know what? We've got to talk to our colleagues about this. Let's, you know, get your pen and paper out and let's start making a list of all the things we need to do. What do, do today. you think we
0: should where do you think we should travel in August of next <laughs> year? Because I really think we should start looking at flights. So I things that I couldn't possibly have answers for first thing in the morning.
1: So I like to just jump right in and especially with our podcast. I love being with all of you. So I'm ready to go.
0: Well, like we've said so many times on this show, you your best hours are the morning. So they are you come over at seven thirty with ready to go. I have ideas. With all engines on Mm -hmm. and I am like check engine light. (laughs) And I love that analogy. The conversations that we have. I'm just I can just picture myself, especially this morning when that happened. I was just staring at you and you were just going like the Energizer bunny and going and going. And you were just like having a conversation with yourself at that point. You just kept yourself entertained by all the topics popping off in your mind. And I don't know if I really gave you anything except, okay, but you did give me your, think about it.
1: You gave me your presence and your attention, which is not always the case at 7.30 in the morning. So I was very grateful. And I, I mornings are my thing. You know, I get up in the morning and I do my little thing. Thank you for the gift of this new day. When I step out of bed, I do my meditation. And I just have a tremendous amount of energy. I, I sleep really well almost every night. Certainly I have from time to time don't. But for the most part, I wake up every single morning Really grateful for the new day for sure, but then ready to go. I am very energetic and very happy and lively.
0: Couldn't be me. (laughs) So
1: let's talk about what happens when we don't get what we want or we feel rejected.
0: Yes. I find this topic to be personally Interesting. interesting as I... Feel as though I've lived a lot of life constantly wondering why I can't quote unquote have what I want or get what I want or that life isn't unfolding for me. And we talked about that a little bit when we did the whole lucky girl episode a month or so ago. But there is something more to be said about the mindset that we can start to cultivate. When we don't think that life is going our way, or like you said, when we feel like we've been rejected, because there's something about the concept of rejection that feels very defeating and brings up so many old, deep-seated wounds and insecurities about not being good enough.
1: And I think it's really interesting. You and I had this conversation years ago. I remember we've had it many, many times, but I just remember at least probably five, six, seven years ago, at at least, we were talking and you had written a blog later, but we were talking at this particular moment. And you looked at me and you said, you know, mom, what if it's not that we're all being rejected? Because I knew that you were struggling with this and we had so many conversations about it what if we're being redirected to something else? You said, mom, I've really been thinking about this, that maybe what I think that I want, I don't really want because sometimes I don't even know what I want because indecision was a huge thing for you. Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe what I think that I want, I don't know that this is what I really want. So maybe I'm not getting it because I'm being redirected. One, I think you said to something better or something different. Mm -hmm. And two, you said, since I don't really know what I want and I'm very indecisive, Maybe the universe, God, whatever whatever we choose to believe is really running, you know, kind of the energy that's happening out there within and without, maybe it's directing me to something better and that, that will really truly be in my best interest and what I want. And I never forgot that. I have always thought about that. And you, you've helped me tremendously by having that one conversation that we had years ago in this idea, every time I felt rejected and going through this divorce, I'm not being rejected and I don't even know now, I'm 66 years old, I'm not quite sure what I want now, and I'm kind of excited about this new chapter in my life after I've gone through all of this pain and suffering and turmoil and just constantly thinking about all the things that have gone on for the past 30-plus years. So I'm in a place of it's not rejection but redirection, which is what you planted that seed in my brain years Mm ago.
0: Yeah, I was going through some old blogs trying to find it because I – and I'm not saying that this stemmed from me, but I know that the concept of it, it's not rejection, it's redirection, has been quite popular lately. And I, I found a blog that I wrote a f- few years ago about this, and it was interesting to read it because it, it was four-ish years ago, maybe longer. This might have been a retool. Sometimes I do that, but... Um, to see my perspective and to remember what I was going through when I wrote this and even just through the lens of how I was talking about rejection was really fascinating for me to revisit because it's helpful even in my own life, even though I I know that it's not rejection, it's redirection, we need to be reminded of these things because life is constantly going and... Things are happening all the time, and it can be hard to feel like you can keep up with keeping up with all of these things that we're trying to remember to counterbalance some of the negative things that are going on.
1: Very well said, Michelle. And I also think of with what you were just saying and, and think about this discussion we're having today is that how often do we look at our lives, and I know I felt this way a lot this past year or so, where I've said, oh my gosh, am I going through this again? Am I going through this similar situation or these, these similar deep suffering, painful feelings and thoughts? And then I'm always reminded, if you listen to our episode on all of our recommended books and our reading, which is, which is so phenomenal because I love that, to talk about you know, reading for inspiration, I'm always reminded what one of my favorite authors and teachers says, Pema Chodron, So masterfully, she says, nothing ever goes away until it teaches us what we need to know. And when I first read that in her book, When Things Fall Apart, which is one of my favorite top 10 books, When Things Fall Apart. Which we talked about. Which we talked about the last episode. So I remember reading that for the first time. At least you know it's true. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. I re- I re- well, I think that's why I love reading for inspiration and in the, and people telling their authentic stories and their life experiences because they've been through it. So she's saying this because she's been through it. And so I remember reading that thinking, oh, I never thought of it that way. So that stayed with me now for, oh gosh, many, many, many years now. So this whole year plus I've thought to myself, what, what do I need to know now? What layer What different vantage point do I need to start seeing what's happening in my life that I need to learn? Because it always then reminds me of Maya Angelou's quote, when we know better, we do better. It doesn't mean that we learn it instantly. It means that all along the way, different circumstances and different experiences take us to a deeper level of knowing. And so if I think about this past year plus for me, and all of the things that have gone on in my life and the feelings and the thoughts I thought, wow, I feel like I'm at a deeper level of knowing, knowing who I am, knowing what I want. And most importantly, I feel like this year in particular, I absolutely know what I don't want. So I love that. Nothing ever goes away until until it teaches us what we need to know. What I know this year for sure is what I don't want, which I find this so exhilarating and such a huge blessing moving into 2023 like this.
0: Absolutely. Knowing what you don't want is sometimes as people, sorry, like me can be, or like many of us can be indecisive or have a hard time narrowing down on and getting clear on things. Clarity can certainly come from cultivating the things that you don't want and narrowing down from that. And it was interesting as I was listening to you talk, I kind of started to think about how I how I take in and navigate the concept of rejection or not getting what I want or what I think I want in this stage of my life, middle age, I guess. <laughs> and it's interesting how different chapters you kind of view your life in a different way. And as a younger person, I think there's an, a naivete of like not going through so much of life that you have a naive view of how you think life, life is supposed to look or unfold or mirror what you see in movies or with other people around you. And it's like in this stage of my life, I almost feel like I'm like a character in a video game and I'm just going through and what comes comes and I'm not attached to what it looks like, but more following. I think I've said this in a past episode of a a life coach who told me to follow the breadcrumbs of what sparks joy. It's like following the breadcrumbs and holding on to a vision, but not being so attached to really the specifics and just being open and... Excited to see what can unfold when I show up to life rather than little baby or Michelle feeling like I had to sort of manipulate to a degree what my life should look like because I felt like that's what it had to be. Does that make
1: sense? Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful, Michelle. Because know, I, that was what was coming through my mind. I think what we do too often in life and certainly when we're younger, obviously, and then as we get older and we start to learn and grow and become and all the things that we talk about, we certainly start to understand that we can't control. No, nothing. We have no control over the outcomes. We can only do the work and we can only do what we know we can do one step at a time. And so what I, what I was just so really beautifully hearing you say here is that you're open, you're curious and you're receptive to what life has to offer and it's almost like you're in a, in a smorgasbord or like we're in a, um, what do you call that it, when you're at a restaurant, a buffet line, buffet line, <laughs> buffet line. <laughs>
0: life is a buffet, it's, it's take what you want it's, and leave the rest.
1: Smorgasbord must be dating me, I guess, in a buffet line. And so you're in a buffet line. And so now you're, you're open and receptive and curious. What I, what I see you, how I see you curious today is very curious. For. You're very curious. And so you're open and you're receptive. And I think that this is way, this is truly the way we're not ever going to do this all the time because we're not perfect beings, but this is truly the way I think life is inviting us to live. It's inviting us to live curious, open, and receptive to what can be because we don't really know what's next. We, we, we can't have control over that. And I think, I feel like, I feel so happy today. We have a very difficult meeting that we have to have later this <sighs> afternoon And I'm so excited for the meeting because I'm in such a wow. Well, I'm in such a place of knowing what I don't want, and so I have zero expectation, and I have zero interest in trying to push my agenda or trying to push what I want or trying to push what I think things should be. We've been we've been partners with this particular organization for many years, and it's almost like it's all good. It's all really good. We're going to go in there and have just an open refreshing honest good conversation and i think if we can live like that live i'm feeling like i want to live life like that more often than not so it's a really good example today will be a great example of how can i go in open and curious and receptive knowing what i knowing what i don't want and not trying to push my own agenda or my own expectations or trying to get my way or trying to get control I'm just really being open. So I love it. And I think this, is, this all kind of brings us back to this whole idea of whenever we're starting to feel rejected, because I have felt rejected a lot this past year, a lot. That has been a main theme going through a 30-plus year divorce. I felt rejected. I felt rejected in so many different scenarios, so many different situations, so many different places in my life. And as I've turned the corner in 2023, I've thought, this whole thing, that's why I'm excited about this conversation today. Barb, it's not rejection, it's redirection. You're being redirected to what you want because you absolutely know what you don't want.
0: Absolutely. And, and I, if we really think about it throughout a 24-hour period, how many opportunities do we have to be rejected? Probably a lot. And it seems like our minds really gravitate towards looking for that, And I think that there's macro and micro examples of that. Like you last year, you had a lot of very real situations that came out of your divorce and the change that came from that that would make you feel rejected. But just even as you're being rejected for something or even redefining what rejected means, I don't even necessarily know if it's a bad thing. You're just not you're being pushed away from something but you're being pushed to something else. I love that love and it. I don't know if we always think about that something else. It's like we get so bogged down by the thing that we're not having anymore or that we never got, whether if it's a job or you know even as we were starting this conversation, I kind of started to catalog all of the times in my life where I felt rejected. And I think one of the biggest times, especially as a young person, and you and I have had this conversation because we work with a lot of high school students, is going through the college process. College applications, you know, you have your heart set on a specific school, or you grow up thinking that you're always going to go to a specific school. We were talking about, like, the Gilmore Girls example with um, Rory and, oh, no, What's her name? Rory. No, the friend that didn't get into the school. Oh, Paris. Paris. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Paris Uh, didn't get into her dream school and, you know, it totally unraveled her. Anyways, that's a first big, like, example of what could be rejection, but there's thousands of schools and there's plenty of places for you to be able to fit in and thinking of that first example on how you can shift your mindset of like, okay, I, I mean, I, I early applied to Boston college and I didn't get in or I got deferred. Wait, to, mm-hmm. And you know, that I'm looking back. I'm glad. Well, I think in that moment, I'm like, Oh God, they don't want me. What's wrong with me. I'm not smart enough. I both, you know, yeah, all the things,
1: all the stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah.
0: And likely it has nothing to do with any of that. I think actually college um, applications are probably the perfect example, especially these days, because there's so many applicants, it probably has nothing to do with you. It's strictly a numbers game. And if you can remember not to take any of this rejection personally, and remember that just because one door is closed, you have thousands of other doors that are open and could have opportunities and possibilities that maybe you haven't even imagined because you were never open to it.
1: You know the exa- And
0: ultimately, sorry, it doesn't matter. You know, you t- walk through one door, you have an experience, and then you make 500 other choices.
1: Yeah, I think the example that you just gave is really a good one in that idea of we talk so much about being grounded from within and really being strong and grounded in your own self-worth and your own feelings about yourself and having that confidence and that love and that acceptance of yourself, because that's so important. What you just said is so, an example of so many other places in life where it really doesn't have an, nothing ever can erode your self-confidence and your self-worth. Nothing. Nothing has the power to take that love and acceptance and caring that you have for yourself away. Nothing. Nothing nothing. You are already worthy as a human being on this planet. So I think everything that happens to us in life is here to help us solidify that from the inside out, is here to help us not really buy into that fact that there's something wrong with us. Oh, I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not whatever it is. And so I think it's really, really, really important that we understand that our worthiness has to be solid. We have to always come in life from a baseline of that we are worthy. Doesn't mean we're going to always get what we want or what we think we want. I remember, I remember one day after one of my meditations, I remember thinking I was just overwhelmed with this thought of wanting something so badly when I was a child and thinking today, wow, am I so grateful that I don't have it? That would never have worked out well for me. And so if we can actually, you know, we've all had these experiences. So if if we could actually just sit with that experience just for a moment and just appreciate that the whole dynamic of what happened, I truly, truly prayed for this to happen as a child and it didn't happen. And here now I'm a grown, grown ass adult, actually. Grown ass adult. (laughs) I'm a grown ass adult now. And I can sit in my quiet space and think, thank you so much that that didn't happen. So if you could actually like contemplate that just for a second, if if this resonates for all of you, and it has to resonate because we've all had this experience, I believe, but just actually sit in that gratitude just for that moment. Because for me, it's been kind of a, a bookmark, if you want to call it that, whenever I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm being rejected this time. Oh, how come I didn't get what I wanted? I I instantly go back to this scenario that I had whoa, wait a minute, Barb, remember when you were a little girl praying for this to happen and it didn't happen and now you're grateful that it didn't happen. So I think just remembering, we forget, we're so easily forgetting that life is working for us, not against us. And if we could really just be open and curious and understanding that rejection is a redirection to 10 other doors that are probably going to open for us at any given moment, but we can't be, we can't have the the strict expectation of the timeline.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting because I think a cool practice, I've never thought about it this way, and you just kind of sparked it for me with what you were just saying, is what if we got into some sort of habit or mindset of every time we're rejected from something, instead of being sad, we are grateful because we know that that rejection is, is going to lead us to a different door. Like life is never going to close every single door to us. A door will always be open. It might not be the door that we expected, but life's never going to close all the doors. And sometimes it might be like a thin, ugly, rickety door that you have to go through, you know, for whatever reason, but there's always a door that's going to be open. And feeling like in the moment when you feel rejected for something, whether it's a school or job or relationship or
1: spouse or friendship
0: spouse or house or whatever it's like okay now what like what else could be around the corner for me that I couldn't have even imagined that might even be better and will be better because that's the door that's going to be open to me it's like I don't know. I just really like thinking about it that way. Well, and of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. Sometimes it's really freaking hard, but it's interesting. Like what if we started to have gratitude for rejection?
1: And, and I, oh my gosh, I just love so much what you just said, because if we can't, you said it earlier too. Okay, if we can't actually take the leap toward gratitude, because you're right, that can be hard. It can be hard sometimes. As I was beginning this process of my divorce, gratitude was not something that was coming to me
0: coming to me though. But what
1: <laughs> But what if we could get to the curiosity first? Because we were talking about you stepping into being curious and open and receptive to what life has because if we can have the attitude that there will be other doors that open. Because I think where we fall into a trap is if we think there are no other doors that will open. Like, oh my gosh, this was the only door. This is the only path that I could have. This is my life is over because I can't have this one path or this one thing or this one door open for me. So, Has life
0: ever been over because a door didn't open? No, that's my point.
1: That's my point. So if we could actually think about having the attitude that the minute a door closes, the minute we go through some life-altering event, like a divorce, like a death, like a move, all those top five things that are the most uh, traumatic things that a person can go through in their lives, if we can get to a place... Gratitude is not the first place that we probably can get to off the beat off the pat off the off the off the start <laughs> jump, off the jump. Gratitude might not be the place where we can go off the jump for sure. But we can actually say, okay, wow, this just happened. After we grieve and after we go through the feelings, I'm never trying to say, get to this place after and try to minimize the feelings that we might be having. We have to feel the feelings deeply. We have to experience what we're going through. But once we're through it, instead of being in a place of, oh my gosh, my life is over because I don't know what other door could possibly open for me because that was the only door that I imagined. Yes, that's probably where we are. I was there this past year at some point during this whole grieving process. But then I got to the place, wait a minute, there's got to be other doors that will open. There always has been for the past 50, 60 years of my life. Let me try to be curious and receptive to it. And so not getting to gratitude right away, have that, do not have that expectation, but move through your feelings, do the work that you need to do to move through all the feelings that you're feeling when you go through a very traumatic episode or a very tragic situation. And then as you're ready to start feeling like you're starting to come out the other side or starting to have thoughts that, okay, now what? Think about the curiosity of what could be next and what doors could open
0: next. I love that. Let's take a break. And we're back. You know, I think that's why I was kind of collecting my thoughts at the beginning when I said that I I kind of view my life as a video game. But the baseline of that was that, you know, there's no question of my worthiness or my place in the world. You know, I'm here and, you know, through basically everything that we've talked about on this show for the past year and change, you know, over a year, it's all about the things that can help us cultivate that strong foundation from within so that life can happen around us, like in a video game, but we're not rattled, not rattled because we're going to be rattled, but we're not, our inner foundation isn't shaken and you can keep walking through life knowing that you're here and that you belong and that you're worthy regardless and just let what comes come and what doesn't go is just a, I feel like that's kind of where I'm at in my life at this point. But I've also spent a lot, a lot of time trying to, not trying, working on cultivating that relationship within myself so that some of these things don't take me out like they used to.
1: And I think what you've what you're saying so well right now, Michelle, is that you you're okay hanging on by a thread sometimes. Yeah. Like we, we have to be okay that life is hard. And we're gonna be hanging on by a thread. I felt sometimes like I am in a lifeboat and I am out at sea and I can't see any shore and I can only see the water and I'm in my little teeny tiny boat and sometimes I'm overboard on the boat. And I'm hanging on by my dear life with my hands. I can see this visual right now, hanging on by, by my dear life with my hands, just hanging on to the outside of the boat, just allowing the waves to take me wherever they're going and just knowing I got this. I don't it's know perfect. how. I don't know what's going to be happening, but I got this. So it's okay to feel like you're hanging on by a thread in life because this too shall pass. And I think what you were saying is so really beautifully said that You've created and you've, you've strengthened and you're really grounded in that foundation of who you are and what you want, knowing that you can handle what life sends your way, even though it's hard, you're still going to survive. And then ultimately, I think we all ultimately through the survival process, we start to see the light at the end of the tunnel and we start to go through some of the other open doors that are happening for us and we start to actually thrive. So if you're feeling like you're hanging on by a thread or you're just barely surviving, that's okay. Feel those feelings deeply knowing you got what it takes. Because I think sometimes we try to bypass those feelings. Oh, what's wrong with me? I'm feeling like I'm hanging on by a thread. I've been meditating now for almost 40 years. How can I possibly be hanging on by a thread right now? This is what causes us all the issues, yeah that we're just trying to fight what life is sending our way and we're trying to fight that we're just trying to survive and we're trying to fight that we've been disappointed and that we've been rejected and that we didn't get what we want we can't fight it we need to go with the feelings that we're feeling and allow ourselves to feel them deeply and allow the feelings we've talked about this many times in episodes allowing the feelings to move through us when we fight it when you know what we resist persists we've talked about that before you've heard this many of you have heard this so many times Don't resist what life is bringing your way. Be open and receptive and see if it's for you. And if it's for you, feel the feelings and see what you need to do with it. If it's not for you, say thank you very much, not for me, and move on. It's really a process of, I talk to myself all the time, 24-7. She does. (laughs) So it's really just a process of knowing yourself and allowing yourself to be whatever is happening in the moment and stop resisting and allowing yourself to be accepting and curious and moving yourself through what life brings our way and knowing this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. So, and I also love this. I also love this. You know, the Dalai Lama happens to be one of my favorite teachers. I've been fortunate enough to be on several retreats with him and to hear him speak in a couple of talks. And he said this, and he actually said it at one of the talks that I was attending a retreat here. Um, it was back in 2007, I think. Here? When, Not here. I didn't mean here in this space where we're in our living room. um, Okay. I did not
0: think the Dalai Lama was in our living room. No,
1: but I remember it was, I think it was 2007 when you were in Florida. And no, when you were in your final year of. of In Indiana. University in Indiana. I was on a retreat with him and he actually said, somebody asked him a question. He actually said, you know what? Sometimes not getting what you want is a wonderful stroke of luck. Yeah. And I know we've seen that quote in print in some of his books or some of his things, but to actually hear him say it, because he's got that little giggle and he's got that little sweet smiley face and he just somebody asked him a question about not getting what she wanted or not you know feeling rejected or feeling like life was not working for her and how do you handle the disappointment I believe was the question
0: because he's experienced the ultimate rejection exactly he
1: was thrown out of his country he was thrown out of everything and so it was really for me when I heard him say that sometimes not getting what you want is a wonderful stroke of luck I interpreted that as, wow, and I have goosebumps right now when I'm going to say it. He's actually reframing disappointment for us. Yeah, He's actually showing us in the most dramatic way possible given his whole story of Tibet. He's actually the prime living, walking, breathing example of how we can reframe outcomes of not getting what we want and how we can really reframe that idea of being disappointed and what's wrong with us and why is this happening to me? It was just a brilliant opportunity. I just felt so grateful to be in that situation in that moment. And so I, I just say all of this, that if you're facing a really big disappointment right now, it's it's really important maybe to feel all the feelings of it. I certainly have. But then thinking, I wonder what this next door could be for me, just being curious yeah I wonder how many next doors there are going to be and what they could look like and start to really little by little opening your imagination to what what what's next
0: well, you know what's interesting since you brought up the Dalai Lama is since you did come up to Indiana while I was in school there and you were in that week long retreat with him, I was able to come sit in with you a few times and see him sp- did for- you forget I forgot that. <laughs> I mean, I knew you came I, once, but I actually forgot. That was so beautiful. Because he was on campus. I know, but also uh, Well, so was... it, sometimes it worked out for me to come, you know, sit in I with remember. you. I remember,
1: and remember walk, watching him walk through the campus that one time from the auditorium to the union, and...
0: I don't know if I was with you for that.
1: Oh, my gosh. It was, it was a dream come true. But anyway, I forgot that you were with me a few times.
0: Yeah, wow. a gift. But what I will say about him is that... You know, in in some of my studies and um, classes and teachings that I've been through, especially like with yoga teacher training and some of the meditation courses that I've taken, a lot of times people will talk about the concept of enlightenment or attaining this place of peace where nothing bothers you. And what's interesting is my yoga teacher explained in his take of what that was is like, you know, it's not that you're getting everything, it's not that everything is peaceful and everything is going to go your way. You kind of cultivate this almost childlike content of life and things come and they go and they just are. And I think the Dalai Lama is kind of the perfect example of that because his being in his presence in that moment and hearing him talk about rejection when he was thrust out of his country and talking about, you know, redirection and just the way that he talks about it with like a child. Like he just like you said, he has these little giggles and is just very content is rather than, you know, looking to be enlightened. It's like coming to this place of, I can just be in what it is and feel that contentness of what is.
1: I just love that you just said that, Michelle, because for me, when you said the word enlightenment, I know you
0: like you almost wanted to melt out of your chair, didn't you? I loved it. I loved oh, it so much because you don't like that word. What enlightenment? Well, because I've reframed it. Oh, for me, I thought you were going to be like, here no, we go.
1: Enlightenment is not some esoteric thing up there. Uh, I mean, I, I certainly don't mean any disrespect for people that feel like they have been enlightened. Um, obviously, there is, there is such a thing as that, but for me, as a human walking the path and all of the things that, that I've been through and I've done for the past 40 years in my practice, for me, enlightenment is exactly what you just said, is being able to look at disappointment or rejection or all of the suffering that we go through as human beings in life, because there is no joy without suffering. They all go together. It's two sides of the coin that you always talk about, Michelle. So for me, enlightenment is... Being able to be a human being walking the path, feeling all the feelings that I'm feeling this whole year during this divorce and coming out excited and curious and receptive to what's next and reframing redirection and reframing the idea that I didn't get what I thought that I wanted and now coming out saying, wow, I'm very curious and I'm very open and I'm very receptive and I'm actually exhilarated like a childlike behavior in what could be next for my life. That is enlightenment. Mm -hmm. To be a human being walking the path and walking in this earth, going through pain and suffering and trauma and coming out the other side, receptive and curious and open to what's next is enlightenment for me. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, because I, I often think about the quote too that you say about being serious about your life.
1: I always say, be serious about the life that you're trying to live. Like, do all of the things. Right.
0: But don't take life but so don't seriously. Ta- but don't take
1: yourself. Don't take yourself seriously. Don't take, yourself, don't take seriously. yourself so seriously. So it's
0: like taking the things that happen seriously, but not your ego in the sense of how you're reacting to life seriously. And that's that like kind of childlike joy that the yes. Dalai Lama has of that enlightenment that we're talking about of, maybe this is too, I don't know, heady, but... Things are going to happen and you take it in and you handle it and you move on.
1: And it's okay to, I just, I really want to emphasize this really big right now. It's okay to feel like that though. Like I I went through the feelings of how could this be happening to me, but then you move through it. Okay. How can this be happening to me? It happens to everyone. I mean, we all have all these traumatic, suffering, painful things that happen in our life. All of us, no one escapes the pain and the suffering of life. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we move through life. It is what it is. I had a teacher say that one time we were talking, and he looked at me, he goes, Barb, life is what it is. And so I think it's what you were saying, Michelle. The Dalai Lama has come to a place in his life after all these decades of being thrust, as you said, from his country. Life is what it is. And so how I choose to show up with what is, is enlightenment. My Mm -hmm. view. My view. I'm not waiting for some magical thing to happen to me to one day be immune to all the suffering and the hardships of the, of the world and of life. I actually now am in this place of, okay, I can, I can handle. I think after this year, again, I've learned, Barb, you can handle what life has to send your way. It's going to be hard going Mm -hmm. through a painful 30 plus year divorce and losing my 15 year old dog. I thought would have done me in, yeah, but it's it's we think that sometimes, you know, going through the grief or going through the suffering, we think that sometimes when we lose a family member that we love dearly, we think that sometimes, but it's so important for us to understand that we have what it takes from within to weather any storm or anything that life sends our way, and so I think that's the Dalai Lama's message for us with his his childlike yeah beauty and grace and fun
0: and not waiting for the thing that you think that you have to have to come around before you move forward and not to make this a whole study on the Dalai Lama but if he had waited for him to go for him to be able to go back into his country he would have never done all of the work that he's done you know around the world you know sometimes we get so closed off to the one thing that we don't open up to all of the things that are around us that can happen despite of that one thing not being available to us.
1: Because it might not. It looks like that might not be available to him in this lifetime. And you're right. I love that so much, Michelle. What are all the other possibilities that we can be open to?
0: And it's almost like as we go along life, we can kind of collect our rejections and look back at them and see ask ourselves like what if that had happened what where what would my li- would my life be where i am now no and what if i had that relationship that i thought i wanted forever like would i want that no so sometimes it's even therapeutic to look back on some of those rejections and talk to yourself about yeah that really was painful in the moment, but thank goodness. Like, thank goodness that didn't work out. Thank goodness I didn't get into that school. Thank goodness I didn't get that job because you are where you are right now because of all of the steps that did work out.
1: I love what you just said. And can we look at that? It's really interesting to take a little inventory just to kind of sit without, without judgment, without getting immersed in it, but really just, I like to think, here's what I picture for myself when I'm when I'm doing exactly what you just said, when I'm kind of doing a little overview or a look of my life, I like to imagine myself at a vantage point of being like up in an airplane at 30,000 feet instead of being immersed in it or being controlling of it and really trying to pick it apart. I like to think of the vantage point of being up 30,000 feet, looking down on it, because I think what you just said is so beautiful if we could actually look at a place where we felt rejected or we felt like, oh my gosh, my world's coming to an end because this happened, can we actually from 30,000 foot vantage point, can we actually say, wow, I can see how I was redirected and this is pretty wonderful. Or this is not what I would have imagined, but I'm really happy that I'm in this space.
0: Yeah, a funny example of that is I oftentimes say that I'm pushed out of apartments in my life and i'm on this weird 5 year cycle of somehow i live in a place for 5 years and then i'm i'm in cuz i i get very attached to my home i'm a homebody i make my home <clears throat> sorry really nice i love it and i never want to leave it i mean never want to not live in it and somehow it always happens around the 5 year mark that i get pushed out for a certain reason and when I'm being pushed out, I get so upset and sad and I try to figure out a way to cling to it. And for whatever reason, there's never a way that would actually make sense for me to cling to it. You know, either rent goes up astronomically and I would be paying crazy amounts of money that I'm not going to be paying or whatever. And so I'm always pushed out and it's a sad rejection of sorts, but looking back on all of these times that it's happened, it's a thank goodness. It's a thank goodness. Like I was pushed into another chapter because every move for me has opened up into a new chapter of my life. But you know, sometimes we're pushed out of places and we don't necessarily know why. And it's just fascinating how life works like that.
1: I don't know. It's so true. I love that you're, that, that you're, I, uh, articulating this right now the way you are because it really is
0: happening for me again right now
1: it really is happening and so what I just what visual came to me when you were saying that was can we look at life instead of grasping you said you're you know grasping and trying to hold on and trying to for dear life what came to me this visual is can we actually live our lives and can we look at life taking our hands because I, I really got that visual of you grasping, because you do, you're like, I can see the white knuckling and I'm really trying to hold on to this really tightly. Can we actually look at life where we're, we're holding a little baby bird? We wouldn't, we wouldn't hold a really, we wouldn't, <laughs> this is so wild. We wouldn't hold- we both
0: just gave each other looks like what? Where's we wouldn't going?
1: hold a little baby bird very tight. We, we like, we hold them tight enough that they won't fall on the ground and get hurt. But we can't hold them too tight because then we could hurt them because they're so soft and they're so precious and they're so, like, so, you just couldn't hold them very tight. So I love that little analogy. Can we actually, we got to hold it tight enough that they don't fall. We've got to hold our lives with seriousness so that we actually are serious about the life that we're trying to live because this is our one wild and precious life, as Mary Oliver has told us in her beautiful poem. But we can never hold on too tightly. Because then that's where the trouble comes. That's where the, the disasters can come in terms of our thought process. That whoa, oh my gosh, I can't live without this. Oh, I gotta move again. Oh my goodness. So I just love that little analogy. If that yeah, works for any nice. of you out there,
0: no, it's a nice visual
1: holding a little baby bird.
0: And what's what's a nice reminder or visual about that before we start to wrap up this conversation, is that. You can even, as part of the feeling of the feelings of a rejection, kind of go through that process of what it would be like in your mind to hold on to the thing and ask yourself, is this really worth doing the things that you would need to do? Because I think you did that for me in one of my moves. When I got pushed out of my New York apartment, in my mind, it was the perfect New York City apartment. I had all of these things that made it perfect, and it was so well-priced and it was perfect for all these reasons. And then they started to want to, you know, the rent was going up and then they wanted to renovate. So the rent was going up even more. And finally, when I got the notice, the rent was going to be like, what, $2,000 more a month than what I was paying. And that just was out of my range. And I just was so upset. And the me holding on was like, how could they do this to me? This can't be legal. I'm, should I hire a lawyer and see what my legal options are? Should I go talk to uh, my other neighbors and see if they're experiencing the same thing? Is there some sort of like class action thing? And I was like racking my brains in all of this way to figure out how I could stay in this apartment that I thought was perfect. And then finally, I after doing all that, you were like, is that really what you want to do to keep this place? Like you want this place that that much that you're going to be willing to Spend probably more money on legal fees than the you know, and then you realize no, I don't need to hold the chicken so tightly,
1: little baby bird, <laughs> the little baby bird so little tightly, chickie.
0: You know, there's and uh, thank God, thank goodness, you know, because I moved back to Florida and then, you know, I was in Florida for COVID times, which I'm eternally grateful for because, you know, being in a city.
1: Have been a little bit more Would difficult have been more challenging and we were together not together in the same place but we were doing our work during covid um virtually so
0: via the interrupt so it's just this has been a great conversation <laughs> I've loved it Hopefully, it's helpful <laughs> for you all
1: I think it I think it is maybe you could you could give I have a few some of reminders our, yeah and some of our little tips here for to
0: kind of close it out because I you know hopefully you got out of this that we're all going to be rejected at some point in life it's part of life. It doesn't feel nice. We know that. So if we can feel it and then remember to not take it personally and somehow allow it to fortify us in the sense of fortifying that inner foundation within, you know, we're all the better for it. But remember that if you can start to look at life, when I was rejected from a bunch of things, I had a friend who was like, well, just think of it. And I think you said this earlier, it's always this or something better, you know, as kind of a, an affirmation for life. So if you're rejected from this, okay, well, it's something better. And it's, it's kind of another probably iteration of, it's not rejection, it's redirection. So, you know, if you're feeling like you're being rejected from something, okay, it's not this, but it's going to be something better.
1: It's kind of a reminder to keep the faith, understanding, yeah. you know, that life comes and goes and this, this just happens to be one of the one of the valleys that you're in and, and the peak will come. We come out of the valley and we're up on top again.
0: Yep. And to remember that people's rejection of you, you know, isn't personal. We never know why people or places or things, you know, shift away from us. But like you always say, no one has the power to name who you are. Never. So someone's rejection of you or an institution's rejection from you or whatever, it doesn't define your life. It's just a closing of a door and it doesn't impact your worth or your ability to be loved or your you know, intelligence or your place in this world? Your self-worth is concrete.
1: I think if that's a good visual, I'm a very visual person, as you can tell, holding a little baby bird. (laughs) Your self-worth is concrete. Other people's opinions, other people's suggestions, other people's supposed rejection of you, anything in life is sand. It truly is. It comes and it goes. It comes and it washes away and it goes. So think of the ocean, you are a solid piece of concrete in the ocean. You're that huge rock in the ocean. You're that huge mountain. Whatever whatever visual comes to you, but your self-worth is concrete. It can never be eroded. It can never be lost. It can never be taken away from you. No one has the power to name who you are. So if you just think of that and remembering, you're right, Michelle, that it's not personal. It's just this is who it's I life.
0: am. It's life. I like that concrete with the sand around you. And remember that sometimes we we can't see our life for the full story that it is, we're just looking at one small chapter. And sometimes we don't always know what's in our own best interest, or how can we know, you know, that this is the thing that we need for the rest of our lives. You know, we think we know, but we don't always know. And so sometimes we have to let go. And sometimes just let life guide us and get in that airplane
1: and go up 30,000 feet in your visualizations. (laughs) Get up there 30,000 30, feet and have a different vantage point. We're so close. Sometimes we're so close to it and we're so close-minded and we're so caught up in the myriad of things that are happening and just take a pause. Jump in that airplane visually and go up 30,000 feet and try to see your life from a different vantage point. It's huge for me.
0: Yep. And lastly, just remember that what's for you won't pass you. That's another affirmation that has really served me over the years because I do believe it and sometimes we can reiterate what's for me won't pass me but tie in something very specific to kind of make that thing happen but it's not that's not what it's about you know what's for your path will be in your path and that's kind of like going back to the video game thing of that curious optimism of what will unfold in my video game. Knowing that, you know, there's a story that my life is going to tell and I don't know all the characters and I don't know all the places and I don't know all the things and the ups and the downs, but that will be part of my, my book, my story book of life.
1: Wow. I love that, Michelle. What made me think of, this idea that your dreams are valid. Your dreams, I, I think I want to just leave everyone with your dreams are valid. Your dreams are possible. The things that you want in life are possible. So just really settling into understanding that you can't just get everything all at once. You know, we, the, trusting the timing. You say this a lot, Michelle. Trusting the timing of your life. There is no timeline. All of our timelines are unique and special for each and every one of us. So trusting the timing of your life, knowing that your dreams and all of the possibilities for your life are out there. Being patient, understanding that I may not be able to get everything that I want all at once. And so really just taking life one step at a time. And thank you so much for this conversation, Michelle. I love all of you so much. And I love having you in the living room with us.
0: Thank you for this conversation. It was fun.
1: I loved it. I love <laughs> them all. This one was ex- I don't
0: know. This one was especially lively. They always bring up things that are perfect for the timing, which is such as life. So thanks to all of you listening and for being with us yet again in another week and another chit-chat. We're so grateful for all of you. And if you're enjoying this podcast, (laughs) sorry which of course we hope you do and you are, please make sure that you are liked and subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. cetera. Make sure you don't ever miss a new episode by following along on your platform of choice. If you'd like to stay in touch with us outside of the pod, follow us on social media at Peaceful Barb, at Barb Knows Best Pod, and at Michelle Maros. Of course, that's where you can message us, ask questions, and request future podcast topics. If you haven't yet, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes and leave a review. As you know, this helps us, and we would appreciate it so much. Thanks again for listening. Thank you, Mom, for sharing. We will chat with you next week, because as we know, Barb knows best. Bye.